Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 19. And as you do that, I want you to find and hold a place in Psalm chapter 92. 2 Kings 19, Psalm 92. If you don't know where 2 Kings is at, just look for 1 Kings. It's right after that. Or look for First and Second Chronicles. It's right before that. Uh, if you have a Bible app, you beat all of us like really quick. Um, good for you. No. This morning, we're actually going to hit the pause button on our study through the book of Acts. We're going to look today at a, a study I've titled, A Word for the Remnant. A Word for the Remnant. Our main text is going to be 2 Kings 19, verses 29 through 31, and also Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. Uh, back on March 15th of last year, uh, I shared a message the Lord had put on my heart that I titled Handling Troubling News, and it was from 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 13, all the way into chapter 19, verse 20, looking at how King Hezekiah had handled this news that had come to him from his people who had been on the wall, who had received a message coming really from the king of Assyria, uh, as the king of Assyria and his army had come against the kingdom of Judah, had surrounded Jerusalem. And that was the first message I shared once we had gone to an online-only format with right after the shelter-in-place order first went to effect. It was our very first Sunday of just real awkwardness for me of like just I'm in my office by myself and I'm speaking into a camera and no one else is there and it was just so weird and I don't ever want to do that again unless I really had to but at that point in time that that passage of scripture just felt like gosh that was something for us just learning from how Hezekiah handled this news how did he respond the things that we can learn from both the negative and the positive things that we saw and how Hezekiah handled that. But then fast forward 16 months, and on July 1st of this year, in our daily Bible reading plan that we're going through as a church, which you can still join even in September, you can join us and you don't have to like start back from the beginning. You can join us now uh, and you can do that by going onto our church app and joining the Bible reading plan. A little plug there. We'd still love to have you join. Um, but we came on that day, July 1st, to 2 Kings chapter 19. And the Lord really highlighted and emphasized something else to me that, you know, 16 months earlier was not even something that stood out. And it was from verse 30, actually, a little further on from where I stopped our study that day in March. And specifically, this verse in 2 Kings 19.30 that I really believed was something the Lord was wanting us to grab a hold of for us as a church. And I, as I've kind of, these last two months, as I've processed that a little bit more, I believe it's sort of a follow-up to something the Lord had actually spoken to me a few years ago in a, in a passage that he had given me for vision for us as a church, a, a reminder that what he had emphasized to me several years ago, he's now re-emphasizing to us 
as the remnant here at CCWC today, wanting to do this once again with us. And so I want to read that passage from 2 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have your Bible open, we're also going to put it up on the screen, but encourage you to follow along with us. 2 Kings 19, starting in verse 29. This is right after the Lord had had a message for Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He now begins to speak to the people of Judah in verse 29 through the prophet Isaiah. And he says in verse 29, this shall be a sign to you. You shall eat this year such as grows uh, grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs from the same also in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That word remnant means a small surviving group or those still remaining. There was a remnant because the king of Assyria had taken upwards of 200,000 people captive from the kingdom of Judah right before this. And though they were still facing great difficulty, God had preserved a remnant among the people, just as he's done here with us at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek, because things are different than they were a year and a half ago. The landscape of our church has changed. Who's here even looks different in a lot of ways. As the enemy had prevented those in Jerusalem from being able to plant their crops, their vineyards outside of the city, God here in our passage in verse 29 was encouraging them to to eat what was produced in the land, which also at the same time was God promising that what was going to grow the first and second year would provide for their needs until they would be able to sow the ground and reap on the third year. This meant that they were going to have to trust the Lord and take him at his word on this, that he was going to provide for and sustain his people in this time where the normalcy of their sowing and reaping was interrupted and hindered by the enemy. But just as God was going to cause the crops to keep producing on their own without outside help, he was going to do the same with the remnant there in Judah, promising that they would once again take root downward and bear fruit upward, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts would do this, as he said in verse 31, the remnant of Judah would once again flourish. Their lives viewed or pictured as a plant or tree taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. I don't know about you, but if I found myself in that time and 200,000 people of the kingdom had been removed by an enemy, I would feel a little uncertain about things. I wouldn't feel very settled. I wouldn't feel like I could really have some permanence. I would be wondering if stuff was going to change. I'd be wondering, especially as God is giving this word as the enemy was still outside of the walls 
of Jerusalem wondering if we're next. Wondering if we're going to be the ones that are exiled, taken away. And to hear this word from the Lord that he's going to do this. Not only is he going to provide, not only is he going to sustain without the people's help. That he was saying to them, you guys are going to flourish once again. It's not going to stay like this. And while this was a specific promise that had a near fulfillment for the remnant of the people of Judah at that time, there's a spiritual principle and application for us as a remnant today and what God's desiring to do in us, with us, and what we see in verse 30. Because I know for many of us, we're wondering the same sorts of things, still feeling not very settled wondering what's around the corner, having a lot of uncertainty, seeing what's going on in our world and wondering what kind of impact will end up taking place here with us. Maybe not feeling like we're flourishing because we're just feeling like we're in this holding pattern. We're in limbo. that we would see today that God is speaking to us as a remnant, those who remain, those who are still here. That he wants us to take root downward and bear fruit upward. As his church, as his people, he wants us to take root downward. This means that there would He desires that there'd be a a continual deepening of our relationship with him. A greater depth of spiritual maturity of Christ likeness. Greater confidence in his word and who he is and, and who we are in Christ. Greater stability and strength and to be able to face storms and winds so that we're not uprooted. And also a deepening of roots here in this body with the deepening of bonds with one another. Our roots becoming interconnected to provide greater stability for the whole. Understand that us taking root downward will not keep us from tribulation. But it will help to keep us firmly rooted, firmly fixed in place in times of tribulation and difficulty and opposition and trials and suffering in uncertainty. He wants us to take root downward once again. But he also wants us to bear fruit upward. That the work that the Spirit of God is doing in the depths of our hearts would not stay under the soil, but that that downward growth would lead to upward and outward growth that it that's that's ministry that's good works that's that's being a witness that's stuff happening in our lives stuff happening between one another fruit being produced as our our roots are receiving what's needed for the fruit to grow 
And that that bearing fruit upward would enrich, would, would nourish, would refresh, would, would bless the lives of others here in our church family and also beyond. Understand, God doesn't need to change our circumstances to make us bear fruit upward. Don't we feel like that at some times? Like, I'll be fruitful when things change. Stuff will start to really happen when stuff changes in my life. He doesn't need to change our circumstances to make us bear fruit upward. No, he wants to make us fruitful in the midst of our current circumstances, our current situations, what's going on around us or happening to us or even coming against us. As a remnant here at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek, God wants our roots to go down deep into him. And then from that place, bear fruit upward, a flourishing, a thriving that would take place where we're planted so that fruitfulness abounds. God wants us as a remnant to be rooted and fruitful. But as I said, this is also a a follow-up, I believe, to something the Lord had spoken to me already a few years ago in a passage he gave to me for vision for us as a church, a reminder that what he emphasized to me several years ago, he's now re-emphasizing, re-emphasizing to us as the remnant here today, wanting to do this once again with us. And with that, would you turn to Psalm chapter 92? Psalm 92. I, I believe these things are very much connected that God is wanting us to hear this again because with us as a remnant he's wanting to speak and do this again with us individually and corporately that us being rooted and fruitful is connected to his desire to make us fresh and flourishing and fruitful in this new season as a church and as disciples of Jesus individually Check out what we're told in Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. It it says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Now, Depending on when this psalm was written, the house of the Lord was speaking of either the tabernacle or the temple. And why this is significant is because this place was a place where only the priests could enter. It was where the presence and glory of God dwelt behind the curtain in the most holy place. The the place where only the high priest could go once a year on the Day of Atonement. And this is so cool and it's super important for us to not miss our freshness spiritually. Our spiritual health and well-being is directly connected to our being planted, our being rooted in the house of the Lord. That place that's closest 
to the presence and glory of God, that place that is closest to the heart of our God. And in New Testament theology, I believe this happens when we abide in Jesus Christ. Clearly from our passage here, the planting of the tree in the right place is a contributing factor to the tree staying fresh, staying healthy. When it comes to God's desire and wanting to cause us to be rooted and fruitful, where we're planted is crucial. Jesus wants us to be planted in him and to stay as close to him as possible. We see this in what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said there, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know, we can put our roots down into so many different things. Be connected to so many different things. But there's only one true vine and only one life-giving vine, and that's Jesus Christ. Guys, where we're planted and who we're connected to, planted firmly in Jesus, matters greatly. But who we surround ourselves with and what and who we plant ourselves next to also matters greatly. Check out what we're told in Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. It says there, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Who we walk with and whose counsel we listen to, what paths we choose and who we choose to stand on those paths with, the people we sit with, all matters to the Lord. With all these things, we have to take great care what we're allowing to have access to our minds because what we meditate on molds us and shapes us and moves us. It, it influences how we take root downward in our spiritual lives, which is why God encourages us to stay away from the counsel of, of, of the ungodly, to, to not stand in the path of sinners, to not sit in the seat of the scornful, but to meditate on his word day and night, making his word our delight because he knows what will cause us to be like that tree planted by the rivers of water, that, that the roots are going down and getting all that nutrients that are coming from that, that, that water that's, that's being soaked up by the tree, that that tree would bear fruit and stay fresh. Its leaf would not wither. He knows how to best make us rooted and fruitful. But look again at Psalm 92. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14 this time. It says, 
The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. That the planting of the tree in the right place with the right environment, they, they, they contribute to that tree staying fresh and healthy, but that freshness should lead to a state of flourishing, of, of thriving. This is where the roots go down deep into the soil and where upward and outward growth takes place. And this is true of us spiritually as well. A palm tree is able to flourish in an environment where you would think flourishing would be impossible. And likewise, God is able to cause us to flourish even if we find ourselves in undesirable environments like the season that we're in now. And in trials and suffering and tragedy and loss. But not only is God able to cause us to flourish like that palm tree, he's able to cause us to grow strong and tall like a, like a cedar in Lebanon, which is significant because the cedars of Lebanon was the kind of tree that ended up being used to be the wood that would be what constructed the temple. The cedars of Lebanon weren't just like nice trees in an area like, wow, they're great and look at how, you know, they're kind of known as the thing, kind of like here in California, we're like, yeah, the giant sequoias and the you know those are great they're so big and strong and they're awesome but it wasn't some far out and and sort of like non-connected sort of thing the cedars of lebanon were the things that were the walls and the floors of the temple god's saying that we can be like those integral parts of his house He says that those planted, rooted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Just as being planted in the house of the Lord is significant, flourishing in the courts of our God is also significant. This courts of our God was speaking of the area directly outside either the tabernacle or the temple and it was the place of sacrifice and service. And this is so cool because our flourishing spiritually is to take place in the courts of our God, that place where the priests and Levites would serve the rest of God's people as they came to worship, which is a result of us first being planted, first being rooted in the house of the Lord, first abiding in Jesus Christ. Listen, it's from that place of being planted in the house of the Lord that we flourish in Christ and the fruit of the Spirit is produced. But that place of flourishing in the courts of our God is also where true Spirit-filled ministry takes place. You know, God wants to use each of us to minister, to serve one another here in His 
church and believers outside of our church fellowship to bless and be a blessing so that others will be rooted and fruitful in their own walks with Christ also. You know, I think some of us go like, that's not me though. Like we, we, we'll go, okay, like I get it. Like the whole priesthood thing and like people are coming, they're making their sacrifices and, and that's just, you know, okay, that's the, that's the pastor, that's the elder, that's the overseer, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's that sort of person. But do we realize that within the Levitical system, there was people that just made the dang bread? They maybe didn't even make the bread. They took the bread, they put it on the table of showbread. They were the person who placed the bread, made the bread presentable. They were the people that were going in and trimming the wicks and making sure that the oil and the lamps was full. They were the people that were taking care of the storehouses and making sure that the priests were and their families were being taken care of. They were the people that were coming alongside the priests on days or maybe specific feasts where there was just an overabundance of sacrifices to be made. There was even places in the Old Testament where we see the Levites coming alongside and actually helping with the sacrifices taking place so that the people could worship the Lord. But there was a flourishing that would happen, a flourishing as people just embraced what God was calling them to, embrace the gifts that God had given them, had embraced the role that God was entrusting to them, the stewardship that God was putting before them, and they just did those simple things. And I think about that for us as a body. It's not about just set up and tear down. It's not about just providing a place for people to come and worship the Lord and lay their lives down as a living sacrifice before the Lord. It's not just about the priestly duties. It's not just like those sorts of things. It's all of us having a part to play. It's the ways that God has gifted each of you. Each of you have a story of how God has redeemed and sanctified and shown up and been faithful. And those things are a testimony. How do we share testimonies with one another? How do we build one another up in the Lord? How do we show up and come alongside other people? It, it, it requires first a planting in the house of the Lord that we are abiding in Christ. We're receiving everything we need from Jesus every single day, and then we just flourish. You know that you don't have to make the flourishing happen? Notice that he didn't say that you're planted in the courts of the Lord. I think this is really specific. He didn't say you're planted like everything about your life revolves around service. No, everything about our lives is to revolve around our worship of the Lord, our love of the Lord, our connection to the Lord, our, our being in Christ, being planted in the house of the Lord, near to the presence of the Lord. 
But God understood something and he expected something in his people that 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 planting in the right place would cause us then to flourish in the right place. And some of us might not feel like I, I'm not the person to give get up and like give a bite. I might not be a small group leader. I might not like, but can you show up? Can you show up as who you are, who Christ has made you to be? And just say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Lord, is it filling up oil in a, in a lamp? Is it placing some bread? Is it coming alongside somebody else? Is it, wh- what does that look like, Lord? Whatever that flourishing is supposed to look like, God, make me flourish in, in your courts. There's a flourishing work that God is wanting to do, but we're going to miss out on the flourishing if, if our roots aren't first just going down deep into the Lord. If we're not staying in that place of abiding in Christ. You know when you're not abiding in Christ, what does it look like when you're in the courts? It's laborious. When the Spirit of God's not birthing things in your heart and you're just going for it you're you're just out in the courts man burnout happens you're looking around you're like what can i do what can what's this thing look and you're looking and you and it's frustrating it can be frustrating lord what's the good works that you're setting before me what's the thing lord when i see paul and the book of ephesians saying that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's set before us. I don't see there being a stressful element to that. Like, I got to really figure out what this good work thing is. He just says, just walk in it. You're going to walk in it. He's created us for that. We're not saved by good works, but we're created for good works. Our lives are a vessel in the house of the Lord, as Paul wrote to Timothy about. In the house of the Lord, there are many vessels, some for honor and some for dishonor. The ones that are the vessels of honor are those ones that are are ready and prepared for the master's use. I think about that often when I'm praying and I'm talking to the Lord about just wanting to be used by him. And it's like, Lord, I know I can easily fill myself with things that are not the right things. Lord, I want to be that vessel of honor. So Lord, whatever's not of you in my life, Lord, empty out. Cleanse me from the ladder that I would be sanctified and ready, fit for your use that vessel that the Lord could look in his house and take off the shelf and go, I want to use you. Because for each of us, he looks at us and goes, I want to use you. That's not the question. The question isn't, if, isn't does he want to use me? Is It's, am I usable? Am I available? 
is there stuff in my life that's making me a vessel of dishonor that's actually kind of disqualifying me in some ways from some form of usefulness to the Lord. But saying, Lord, I want to flourish. Lord, cause me to flourish in your courts. God, show me what those good works are supposed to look like. Help me just walk in them. Lord, you put people around me. Lord, cause me to flourish, flourish in such a way where, God, my life is a blessing to those people. He wants to do that with us. When we're planted, when we're rooted in the right place and the soil's good, like what we talked about in last week when we looked at Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 8 about the sower and the seed in the soils, we will flourish wherever God places us and directs us. But now let's look at that whole passage, Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Sorry, fly, bug in my face. Flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Guys, the Lord wants us to continually be fruitful even into old age, that the produce of our lives, what comes out of our lives would be a constant declaration of the greatness of, of Jesus would continually point people to Jesus, our rock. This kind of fruitfulness is possible. It's the potential for every believer who is planted in the house of the Lord and then bearing fruit upward in the courts of our God, serving the body of Christ, ministering to those God places in our lives, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. Listen, the fruitfulness of a tree isn't really for the benefit of the tree itself, although the freshness and the flourishing is. But the freshness and the flourishing and the fruitfulness of the tree, our lives are all of benefit to those around us. And our fruitfulness is most enjoyed by those who pick the fruit and eat of it and are blessed and refreshed by it, blessed and refreshed by what God does through us. But know that the fruit, of, that, the fruit that God produces in and through our lives isn't just for the purpose of blessing other believers. Our fruitfulness will also be accompanied by the fruit of God's spirit, the agape love of God. And that fruit of love not only blesses other believers, but also attracts unbelievers and can be a powerful witness in pointing lost people to Jesus Christ. And listen, when it comes to God's desire and wanting to cause us to take root downward and bear fruit upward, us submitting to the work of our master gardener, the vine dresser, 
is crucial. Check out what Jesus said in John 15, verses 1 and 2, and then in verse 8. He said in verses 1 and 2 of John 15, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. When we abide in Christ, we will bear fruit. When we bear fruit, he will prune us so we bear more fruit And the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. It's clear that the Lord cares about our fruitfulness. He cares about what comes out of our lives as disciples of Jesus. The Father doesn't prune us because he's cruel. You know, if we look at a rose bush, I, you know, without knowing years ago, how important it was for a rose bush to be cut back, for it to really be as fruitful as possible. I remember looking at that and going, why? Like, the thing was great. It was like, really, like, there's just tons of roses, and it's doing its thing, and then you just chop it all down, and like, looks like all jacked up now. Like, what did you do? But not knowing that the pruning was not like a careless sort of thing like someone just they're sick of the rose bush they just hacked that thing down to like the snub like no there was care there was a there was a knowledge in the person doing the pruning that that kind of pruning would actually cause it to be even more fruitful once it came to the season again But can't we look at that in our own lives and learn some lessons? Has the Lord ever kind of hacked something back to a nub in your life and you're like, what are you doing, Lord? It, It doesn't look like there's a lot of care behind it. We're just thinking like, what in the world did you just do? Like, Lord, why did you allow that? Why is this happening in my life? This doesn't look like fruitfulness. This looks like you just wanna like, mess me up a little bit like did I do something wrong but he doesn't prune because he he's cruelly prunes because he cares I mean how often do we think we know what's best for our lives what should stay and go ever prayed stuff and then years later you're like wow Lord thanks so much for not answering that prayer like, I would hate, be hating life right now. If you would answer that prayer the way I was kind of demanding, maybe even in the moment that you would answer it, Lord, thank you for not answering those things that I was really, really wanting to see you do in my life or see you remove from my life. We often think we know what's best for our lives, but our perspective on things oftentimes doesn't match God's perspective on things. His ways are higher. We forget that he's working everything together in our lives for our good and his eternal glory. 
We don't see maybe how he's doing and allowing things right now that will impact not only our lives, but the lives of others for all eternity. Pruning is necessary in order for health and growth and maximum fruitfulness to take place. And trials are a part of that pruning process. He uses them to refine and grow us and make us more like Jesus. And this season we've been in is no different. Are we seeing how the Lord is wanting to conform us into the image of Christ in this season? Because I think it's easy for us to lose sight of that sometimes. Lord, what are you, what are, what, what's, what's going on? How are you working? Or maybe not seeing the hand of the Lord as clearly as we have in times past. You know, maybe for some of us as we're considering these things this morning, maybe we found ourselves feeling uprooted instead of planted with our roots going downward. Maybe we're feeling dry and stagnant and stunted instead of fresh and flourishing. Maybe we're feeling this morning disconnected and out of place and unuseful instead of seeing that God wants us flourishing in his courts, actively connected and engaged in his body, ministering in the power of his spirit. Maybe this morning we're not seeing the kind of fruit we'd like to see or aren't able to make sense of the pruning work of God that he's doing so that we can bear fruit upward. Please take these things to heart. Let the word for the remnant for us here today fill each of us with hope and bring encouragement that once again, once again, not, sorry, that's it. All the opportunities to really go down deep, take root, all the opportunities to bear fruit upward, all the opportunities for flourishing, they're all gone. No, it's, this is for now. This is what God's desiring to do again right now. Once again, wanting to do these things. And not only is this his desire for us, it's what he's able to accomplish by his power as we come back to that place of simplicity that all we need is found in Jesus Christ. You know, as I said earlier, as his church, as his people, He wants us to take root downward once again, that there'd be a continual deepening of our relationship with him, greater depth of spiritual maturity of Christ-likeness, greater confidence in his word and and in who he is and and in who we are in him, greater stability and strength to face storms and winds so that we're not uprooted and a deepening of roots here in this body with a deepening of bonds with one another 
Again, taking root downward is not going to keep us from trouble. It's just going to keep us firmly fixed in place in the trouble, in the trial, in the difficulty, in the uncertainty. But he also wants us to bear fruit upward, that the work that the Spirit of God is doing in the depths of our hearts would not stay under the soil, but that that downward growth would lead to upward and outward growth, ministry, good works, witness, fruit being produced as our roots are receiving what's needed for fruit to grow, that that bearing fruit upward would enrich and nourish and refresh and bless the lives of others here in our church family and be a witness to those who don't yet know Jesus Christ. I'll say it again, God doesn't need to change our circumstances to make us bear fruit upward. No, he wants to make us fruitful in the midst of our current circumstances and situations and what's going on around us or happening to us or coming against us. For those of us that remain, the remnant, in this new season, no matter what comes our way, God wants our root to go, roots to go down deep into him, wants us to bear fruit upward, wants us planted in the house of the Lord, wants us flourishing in the courts of our God, wants us to bear fruit even into old age that we would declare that our God is the rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. Guys, I, as I've, you, you've heard me quote verse 30 probably multiple times over the last two months, 2 Kings 19. I've said it in prayer meetings. I've said it talking about small groups. And for me, that verse is something that is, is almost like a filter that I'm viewing ministry through in these days. Lord, how is this going to cause us to take root downward and bear fruit upward? God, maybe even in my own life, Lord, how, how is what I'm doing or participating maybe stunting that from happening? Lord, what, what might I be giving myself over to that might be affecting me from really taking root and bearing fruit? Lord, how can that happen to an even greater degree? There's a personal application for us here. There's a, there's a, for those of us that are married, there's a marital application here. Those that have kids, there's, a, there's an application for your kids and your family as a whole. That he's not just saying, you know, you parents, you know, I want to make you planted and fruitful. I want to make you fresh and flourishing and fruitful. No, he's wanting to do that with our children as well. That there'd be this firmness, a a gathering together of maybe what's been scattered in this season. A unifying sort of work once again that the Lord's wanting to do with the love of Jesus being at the center of that being able to happen.
And it's not just for our own lives, but the people that are around us are really desperate for us to have this be true of us. Because when you're around somebody that's flourishing in Jesus, that's abiding in Jesus, that's being fruitful for Jesus, you want to be around that person. You want to talk to them. You want them to pray for you. You want to have them encourage you. You you want to serve alongside them. You want to go have coffee with them. You want to have them over to your home for a meal. Like Those people are people that just exude the life of Jesus Christ. We want those people in our lives, but but in the flip side of that, that's what God wants to do with us towards somebody else. He wants that to be you in somebody else's life and not just other believers, but unbelievers, your neighbor, your coworker, a family member or a friend, somebody at the market that you see regularly. Because when you're flourishing in Christ, It's not hard to declare that the Lord is upright. That he's our rock, that there's no unrighteousness. It's not hard to talk about Jesus when your life is flourishing in Jesus. It starts to happen more naturally because Jesus is everything to you. When Jesus is everything to us, when we come back once again to that place of simplicity, doesn't that just change everything about how we see things and process things and how we interact with people? Guys, I pray that God does this with us in these days. That we would see that he doesn't need a great force. He just needs People that are saying, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, here I am, I'm your servant, I'm listening. I'm like Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Are we hearing? Are we hearing what the word of the Lord is saying to us today? I pray that we are and that we'll pray through these things even in the coming weeks Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord God, thank you that even in this season, Lord, that we've been in, that God doesn't seem like it's getting better. (laughs) Lord, it's just kind of shifting and changing and morphing over time. New things being added in that can discourage and cause us to feel less than hopeful. But Lord God, would we cling to your word? Would we hold fast to your promises? Lord, would our roots truly go down deep into Jesus? Lord, would we abide in you every single day? Lord, that we would once again take root downward. Lord, a deepening, greater Christ-likeness, Lord, greater humility, greater maturity, Lord, greater passion for you. 
a greater confidence of your word and who you are and who we are in Christ. But Lord, from that place of being planted in the house of the Lord, of abiding in Christ, Lord, would you cause us to flourish in the courts of our God? Lord, that the things that you're doing in our hearts wouldn't stay there, but Lord, that they would spring out in action and in good works and ministry, Lord, and being a witness to lost people. Lord, cause our spiritual health to flourish, Lord, that we might be fruitful for you. Lord, a fruitfulness that would cause the Father to be glorified. A fruitfulness, Lord, that would bless and refresh and would strengthen other believers, Lord. A fruitfulness, Lord, that your love, God, would be grabbed a hold of by unbelievers that would see, Lord, how great your love is for them, Lord, that you desire to save them. Lord, that they would find those things to be true as they witness our lives, as they interact with us. God, cause us to take root downward and bear fruit upward. Lord, that you would do, Lord, a fresh and powerful work, Lord, in this season. Lord, that we would see that our circumstances, Lord, don't need to change. Our scenery, Lord, even doesn't need to change. The political landscape, Lord, doesn't need to change for you to make us bear fruit upward. Lord, do it in spite of those things. God, and lead us by your spirit in these days. Lord, make us about your kingdom even more so in these days. Lord God, would the gospel of Jesus Christ be on our lips even more so in these days. That Lord, people would see Jesus in us and be drawn to Jesus through us. Lord, we need your help. Lord, we need your grace. But Lord, we pray, Lord, even as you spoke in confirmation in verse 31, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts would do this. Lord, we pray that you would do these things in and through us by your power, by your grace. Look, if there's anybody here and you don't just first have a personal saving relationship with Jesus, look, the first thing that he's just wanting to do is just for you to know that he loves you. (laughs) He died on a Roman cross for you. He took your sin upon himself. He hung there in your place. And all we have to do in response is just to say, Jesus, I trust in you to to genuinely surrender our hearts to Jesus Christ. And if that's anybody here today, would you stand where you're at? I'd love to pray for you. If that's anyone, you're going, look, that's me. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to know that my debt's been paid. I want to know that my guilt's been erased that my future in heaven is secure. Maybe that's somebody joining us online today. If that's you, I would just encourage you to say, Jesus, I'm a, I'm a sinner. 
Jesus, I can't save myself. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Jesus, I believe that you died in my place, that you rose again the third day. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness? Jesus, would you give me your righteousness? Father, would you seal me with your Holy Spirit and save me, justify me, redeem me? Jesus, I surrender to you, all of me. I place my faith in you today. And I just encourage you, if you've done that, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be saved. If that's you, I'd love to follow up with you. If you can let us know somehow that you made that decision today, whether it's on Facebook or through our church app or through email, but let us know. We'd love to support you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But Lord, as we respond now to your word with songs of praise, Lord God, would we flourish even as worshipers of you. Lord, that we would not be timid. We would not be silent, but Lord, that we would proclaim loudly the greatness of our God. Lord, we are so thankful for you. God, I am confident, Lord, that the good work you've begun, not just in us personally, but even as a church, Lord, God, you're gonna be faithful to continue to see it through. Lord, lead us in these days. God, have your way. Father, we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.